Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Progressive Field in Cleveland, it's the Guardians 2, the Tampa Bay Rays 1 in extra innings again. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And that's right, we're still going to talk about these regular season games. I know the Guardians have clinched the division. I know you're all focused on the playoffs right now, but just like Terry Francona said in his pregame press conference, you got to keep playing. You got to stay sharp. You got to keep playing. Uh, if you if you take your foot off the pedal, right, if you relax too much, there's no switch you can flip in the playoffs. So just like the Guardians have to keep sharp, we got to keep sharp on this podcast. So we're going to continue to talk to games. We're going to continue to see how this team shapes up uh, as they head towards that wild card series. And we're going to see what they can do to position themselves to maybe face the Rays instead of facing Seattle. Because it's now back to a half a game lead. Seattle won yesterday. So uh, for that last wild card spot, Tampa Bay uh, has, for the second and third wild card spots, Tampa Bay has a half game lead on them. Baltimore's still sitting there trying to chase the final wild card spot. So we do have a chance to influence this right here in the finale of this series. So uh, we get the job done here. Uh, we move Tampa Bay and Seattle a little closer together in the standings. Yeah, I understand Francona's comments uh, pregame. Uh, you do. You do. Baseball is a game where you cannot take too much time off. And I am really curious. I mean, this if I'm correct, this is the first Major League Baseball playoff, at least in a long, long time, where a team has had a bye in the first round. I don't, I don't think we've ever set the playoffs up like that, where two teams are going to have buys in the first round. Now, for football, you get it, right? I mean, your body takes a beating in football. To have that extra week to heal uh, is huge in football. In basketball, they don't take any time off, right? It's an even number of teams that make the playoffs. In baseball, they never have. I really wonder what that loss of momentum I mean, even just that one-game wildcard play-in meant that teams had like three days off, four days off, and yeah, sometimes that wildcard team would just run through the playoffs because they just kept playing every day, and their team stayed hot, and their team stayed fresh. So this is going to be a long layoff. I mean, these guys might take up to a week off in between the final game of the regular season and when they get to play again. What is that going to do? Uh, to those two teams, to Houston and New York, who are going to get this bye. I mean, do they do they come out just fresh and relaxed and, and everybody has an extra spring in their step? Or do they come out a little flat? The pitches aren't as sharp. What are they going to play inter-squad games to keep themselves sharp? You know, so it's going to be really interesting to see. So yeah, so baseball is a game where I like what Francona said. I'm going to give guys days off. He gave Andres Jimenez a day off yesterday. He's dealing with some injuries. Uh, in this game, he gives uh, Ahmed Rosario the night off and F Jose Ramirez DHs. So we basically have a triple-A uh, left side of the infield. We got Gabriel Arias at third and Tyler Freeman at short on the left side of the infield. That's telling. Um, so, yeah, he, he is going to give guys off. But when you step between the lines, when you step between the lines, you got to give it 100%. You got to play like you've played every day of the season. So I like that message from Terry Francona. Uh, so, all right, let's get into the storylines of the game. 
We're between the lines now, so let's give it 100%. Uh, the storylines in this game, the top storylines, is with so much offense and so many runners on base yesterday, it's a completely different situation in this game. The pitching was really locked in. The weather in the middle of the game didn't help the situation. But, I mean, the Guardians only go one for three with runners in scoring position in this game. After what happened, yes, two days ago, one for three with runners in scoring position. The Rays are one for ten. They actually had a lot of opportunities. Uh, you know, they they didn't draw that many hits, but they got guys in a scoring position, and they couldn't deliver. They couldn't deliver. They get an RBI in the second inning, and that's it. So this was quite the pitcher's duel for the entire game. And what a matchup to have a pitcher's duel with because we got Tyler Glass now coming back off his Tommy John surgery, makes his first major league appearance, and I think they said 15 months, gives you three really strong innings. Uh, looked very looked very sharp. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that. Looked very sharp in three innings. They did hit him hard a couple of times when they squared him up. We will get to that. But he was battling Tristan McKenzie, who gives you six really strong innings on the other side of things. And, uh, yeah, so it was quite the pitching matchup. And then, again, the bullpens go to work. Once again, the bullpens are just ridiculous. I don't know how the Rays have anybody left to pitch uh, in the finale of this series because they've used so many arms. I think we counted, was it nine arms they used yesterday? And today they're up to one, two, three, four, five, six seven, eight arms to get through this one. So, man, they've got to have a really, really tired bullpen out there. It's not like they had anyone who could piggyback off glass now. It's not like they had another AAA starter in their, sitting in their bullpen. Like, we have a Kirk McCarty who can go get you a couple innings. Uh, no, everybody's pitching like an inning, inning and a half. So, yeah, they're putting in a lot of work. But both pitching staffs, my God, just ridiculous numbers on the day. So let's get into the details here. Uh, Glass now goes three innings pitch, gives up only two hits, gives up one earned run on a solo home run by Gabriel Arias. One walk and three strikeouts on 50 pitches. He's hard hit five times. What was working for Glass now? Uh, well, if we go over to the illustrator here, uh, he was pounding with the fastball and then he was sweeping the slider and the curveball down and away down and away for both those pitches, really. And uh, yeah, uh, the curveball was working for him. I mean, on 10 curveballs, when we swung at it, we were not making contact. Five swings, four whiffs, and 80% whiff rate on his curveball for Tyler Glass now. And just out of curiosity, those three strikeouts, what pitches did they come on? All curveballs. So yeah, I would say the curveball was definitely working for Glass now. Uh, he was popping that four-seam fastball in there for a called strike seven times. That's uh, a 32% CSW total on the day for him. We did make contact, though, with that fastball. When we squared it up, and remember, it's a 98.1-mile-per-hour fastball, topped out at 99.4, so the velo is definitely back for Glass now. Uh, but yeah, when we hit it, though, we made some serious contact, 996 Maxing out at 108.8, and that 108.8 would be, I believe, Gabriel Arias with his first major league home run. Uh, a guy can hit some home runs uh, in Triple A. Let's see what were his numbers down at Triple A so far this season. He had 13 home runs at Triple A. 
not a huge ISO number, right? ISO is the isolated power numbers. It's basically uh, the slugging percentage minus batting average. So you're just looking at the power numbers. It was only 167. So not a huge power hitter down in the minor leagues, but still uh, nine doubles and 13 uh, home runs at AAA. So uh, can, can definitely put the barrel on the ball. And in this one, uh, let's take a look at this one. His battle against uh, Tyler Glasnow. So the thing was Glasnow was trying to throw him fastball slider combos, and he just wasn't hitting with that slider at all, which meant Arias could sit fastball and wait for the fastball he was looking for. So he starts him off with a slider away, comes back with a fastball, Right uh, at the at the thighs, right down the middle for a called strike. All right. Goes for another slider. Misses way away with this one. Uh, so he comes back with another fastball. Tries again to hit the zone. This one he throws below the knees. Uh, so now he's worked it to a 3-1 count. Now on a 3-1 count, he doesn't have to really worry about the slider. He hasn't hit with that slider yet. And for some reason, he isn't throwing him a curveball in this at-bat. He probably waits till he's ahead to use the curveball. Um, so he comes with another four seam fastball up and in probably throws it higher than he wanted to throw it. And Arius turns on this and this is a 97.2 mile per hour fastball. This fastball is no joke up and in and Arius's hands are so fast. A hundred. Oh, it wasn't the hardest hit ball of the day. It was only 108.5 mile per hour exit velocity, a 33 degree launch angle, 403 feet in the type of weather in Cleveland where Hamilton will talk about it all the time. The ball doesn't travel when it gets cold and windy and wet in Cleveland like it was uh, last night. That is not a combination for the ball traveling uh, very far in Cleveland. Uh, You kind of get a little bit of a dead ball uh, out there. So he still is able to uncork on this thing. I mean, this is just a no doubt about it. Monster shot. I don't even think a Rosa Reina even turned around in left field. 403, about a third of the way up the bleachers in left field. So a monster, monster home run for Gabriel Arias in his very first uh, home run at the major league level. So yeah, that was some impressive stuff to see right there. Seeing him turn on a high heat like that up and in uh, and have quick, quick hands. You have got to have ridiculously fast hands to barrel up a ball up and in at that coming in at that speed. But uh, yeah, Ari is definitely showing that he belongs up here hitting Major League Pitching. So uh, good stuff, good battle right there between Arias and Tyler Glasnow. And then Glasnow would make it, though, through the rest of the third inning. Uh, I believe he would end his day on the strikeout. Uh, yes, he would strike out Tyler Freeman to end the day. Let's go to that at, at, bat, at bat. Let's go to that matchup and see how he takes down Tyler Freeman, uh, man, works him with the off-speed stuff. A slider for a called strike on the outside edge. Another slider out there that he fouls off. And then a curveball, the foul tip into the glove for strike three. So just changes the angle on him a little bit. The vertical break versus the horizontal break. Changing it just a little bit. He actually throws that slider really hard. He throws that slider in the 90s. Um, that curveball comes in at 84. So it definitely keeps Tyler Freeman off balance. Keeps him reaching away. And he foul tips it into the glove for strike three. So that would wrap up Tyler Glasnow's day. Now, on the other side of things, Tristan McKenzie also has a really, really good curveball. He goes six innings, gives up three hits, 
one earned run, one walk, six strikeouts, no home runs giving up on 88 pitches. He's only hard hit three times. Really strong work from Tristan McKenzie in this one. Uh, I'm surprised it didn't go deeper, actually. If he's only at 88 pitches, I'm surprised he doesn't go out there for the seventh. Uh, maybe because of the weather, you know, the weather was starting to change. I don't know. Only 88 pitches from McKenzie on the day. Doesn't give up a home run. That's big. That's big stuff. In five of the last six starts, he's given up a home run. So to shut him down and not give up a home run in this start is good stuff from Tristan McKenzie. Now, that's not to say he's had a bad September. He's been ridiculous. He's 2-0 and with a 2.14 ERA with a 0.89 whip uh, in the month of September. The only month he's been better in was July, where he had a 1.34 ERA and a 0.83 whip. So 8.389 July would be the only month he's done better than September so far. So he has been ridiculously good. I mean, basically since the All-Star break, uh, if you look at his splits, the pre- and post-All-Star break, he goes from a 3-2 ERA to a 2-7-5. Uh, same amount of strikeouts in, almost the same amount of strikeouts in how many less innings? In almost 15, 16 less innings since the All-Star break, uh, he's almost up to the same amount of strikeouts and less walks. So that strikeout-to-walk ratio is improved. And then the whip drops from a 0.98, which was great, to a 0.93. It gets even stronger post-All-Star break. Oh, I take that back. In May, he had a 0.74 whip. There's his best whip month of the year. So, yeah, McKenzie has just been pitching really strong. What was working for him in this game? Again, jumping back to the illustrator here, uh, he is, man, attacking with everything. Attacking with everything. He's not just letting that curveball fall below the knees. He was attacking the strike zone with that curveball, with the slider, and with the fastball. Really, really aggressive stuff here. What was he getting his strikeouts on? A lot of high fastballs. I got three high fastballs here. He gets Bethancourt, he gets Harold Ramirez, and he gets Manuel Margot with high fastballs. He gets Harold Ramirez, blows a low fastball by him at the knees on an 0-2 count in the fourth inning, just blows him away at 93 miles per hour, and then two curveballs. Gets a Rosarena swinging through a curveball on an 0-2 count, and then buries one against Margot on a 1-2 count in the third inning for strike three. So four strikeouts come via the fastball, two via the curveball. And going over to his player breakdown page, McKenzie's numbers on the day uh, actually didn't have as huge of a whiff rate on that curveball. Only a 38% whiff rate, three whiffs on eight swings. Got a lot of whiffs on the four-seam fastball, 12 whiffs. Now, they're being very aggressive against that fastball. They swung 33 times, but got 12 whiffs on it, uh, plus added seven called strikes. Uh, it's good for a 35% CSW on that forcing fastball. It's a 35% CSW total on the day. A real nice balance between called strikes and whiffs on the day. 16 whiffs, 15 called strikes. Uh, and when they were putting it in play, incredibly, incredibly weak contact. The average exit velocity off the fastball, 84.2. Off the curveball, 75.1. Off the slider, 78.8. It's a total of 81.9 average exit velocity on the day. That is really, really good numbers from Tristan McKenzie right there. Man, really staying away from the barrels on this one. So great stuff from McKenzie in this start. He does give up a double to G-Man Choi, 
uh, in that second inning. They're able to get a tiny, tiny rally against him. A one-out double. Uh, and then Bethancourt would single up the middle to drive in that only run, but he would absolutely uh, lock in after that. Uh, goes 1-2-3 in the third, 1-2-3 in the fourth. Does give up a two-out single in the fifth, but 1-2-3 in the sixth. So not a lot of base runners reaching base after they get their little tiny rally in that second inning, which we answer right back uh, in the third inning with the Arias home run. So not right back. Glasnow does put up a zero. You know, we talk about that all the time. Glasnow puts up a zero after uh, after he, his team had just scored in the top of the inning. So he does his job, but they do get him in the third. It was uh, Will Brennan single right after Arias homered. Will Brennan single at 108.8 miles per hour. That was the hardest hit ball of the day uh, by anyone, I believe, actually. Yes, Brennan's was the hardest hit ball of the entire day. All right, so then the bullpen settle in, and we get into the seventh inning, and we get into this ridiculous rain delay. So they try to wait out the storm. Now, what I will tell you is that the weather in Cleveland, we talked about this yesterday, the weather in Cleveland have had these little tiny rain clouds just roll in, ruin your day for 10 minutes, and then roll out, and the sun would come back out. That has been the entire day in Cleveland, and that's what they thought was happening last night. They thought, look, it's going to rain hard for five minutes, it's gonna. This cloud is going to roll through, and we'll just keep playing, right? Why pull out the tarp if it's only going to rain for five minutes? Well, five minutes turned into probably about 15 minutes, and the field got absolutely drenched. The players got drenched. The field got drenched. And uh, then they finally decided to pull the tarp out. At that point, Henches had loaded the bases. Now, obviously, he's pitching in a downpour, so he has two walks, gives up a hit in two walks. I don't know how much we can blame Sam Henches for this, but uh, yeah, he's out there pitching uh, in uh, ridiculous rain. Uh, I don't want to make too light of the situation because right now there is literally a hurricane going through St. Petersburg and Tampa in that area of Florida. So, uh, I mean, believe me, I, there are places in the country that are hitting, getting hit a lot harder by rain than we were in Cleveland last night, but it still did tear up the field. And so they finally get the tarp on there. They go into the rain delay. And then I have never in my life seen the TV broadcast devote so much time to showing the grounds crew at work. It's like they literally ran out of video packages to play. And they're like, all right, well, let's just show them the grounds crew. I mean, we had close-ups. We had action shots. We had guys throwing bags of, you know, drying agent. We had guys with snow shovels cracking bags open. We had guys on tractors driving around with clumps of mud pulled up behind him. I mean, it was a really, it was a show last night from the grounds crew. So I I never remember a broadcast giving them that much attention. But when we come out of that rain delay, right, the bases were still loaded. Uh, it was too long of a delay. They don't put henches back out there. They go to Eli Morgan, who is apparently the rain delay exiting specialist. If you remember, they were joking about it. Uh, earlier in the season, we came out of a rain delay with a runner on second base, and Eli Morgan, before even throwing a pitch, picked the guy off. Well, he doesn't do that. Instead, Eli Morgan has to get into a battle here with, I believe, Jose Siri. Yes, it is Siri, and it's a four-pitch battle that ends the way Cleveland wants it to end. So he starts with a called strike, a fastball at the top of the zone, uh, then tries to get him to chase a slider away and gets it, chases a slider down and away, so it goes high-low, Tries to come back up with a four-seam fastball and leaves it outside 
for a ball. So it's a one-two count. And then goes back to that slider, back down and away. Uh, really working the outside edge of the plate against Jose Siri in this one. And he chases again. Hits a ground ball to Tyler Freeman at short, who flips it out of the glove to Andres Jimenez at second, who fires a missile to Jose, to Josh Naylor, sorry, at first base, who does the splits at first base to nab the ridiculously fast Jose Siri. It's an incredible double play coming out of the rain delay with the bases loaded. My God, could you ask for anything better in that situation? It was an absolutely fantastic double play by the Guardians up the middle. And that was, yeah, that was some fancy, fancy stuff from your Guardians infielders right there. So a huge moment for Eli Morgan. And like I said, this bullpen was just ridiculous. Again, you cannot score off this bullpen right now. Henches, Eli Morgan actually goes after that, goes another inning and a third. Uh, Emmanuel Classe, well, so okay, goes another inning because he gets two thirds of an inning for that double play. Goes another inning after that. Uh, Emmanuel Classe would come in to pitch the ninth, does give up a hit, but gets two strikeouts. And then Karinchek in the 10th inning. We go to extras once again because their bullpen was ridiculous. Uh, Pache comes in. Colin Pache strikes out the side. Uh, Jason Adam has two strikeouts. Pete Fairbanks pitches the ninth inning and again shuts us down. We can't touch Fairbanks. He only has one strikeout in this one. So we go to the 10th inning again. Extra innings again against the Rays. A 1-1 game. Karinchek's out there with that runner on second base. And what does he do? He gets filthy. I mean, this is exactly... I got to post this. Uh, I got to tweet this out. Karinchek's illustrator here. This is exactly what we want to see from Karinchek. It's fastballs at the letters or above... And it's curveballs at the knees or below. I mean, what a combination here from Karinchek. Doesn't have anything in the middle of the plate. There's nothing these guys are going to touch. And absolutely blows them away. Uh, let's look at the swinging strikes versus the call strikes here. He's got them to chase two fastballs at the top of the zone. And he gets them to chase five curveballs down below the knees. What about the called strikes? In this, no called strike. So everything is via uh, either a foul ball or a swinging strike on this one. Eventually, the three strikeouts come. One comes on the high fastball. Uh, Jonathan Aranda strikes out on a high fastball. Uh, and two of them come via curveball. Siri and Margot strike out via the curveballs down below the knees. So uh, looking at his CSW numbers for Karen Check, uh, just great stuff. A 100% whiff rate on the curveball. He threw six of them, five swings, five whiffs on that curveball. 100% and a 50% whiff rate on that four-seam fastball. Just nasty, nasty stuff from Karinchek in that 10th inning. I mean, to start with that runner on second and then just whiff three times has got to be demoralizing for the Rays. And then they get into trouble in the uh, bottom of the 10th inning, uh, they walk uh, They walk the first batter of the inning. Uh, I hate that uh, StatCast erase some of these things sometimes on the scoreboard. They don't put intentional walks up on the scoreboard. So, uh, okay, the runner that starts on second base is Oscar Gonzalez. They intentionally walk Andres Jimenez. They figure, let's set up the force. This, is, this was like... Uh, it was a battle of chess, but it was the most obvious moves you can make, right? 
they intentionally walk Andre Semenz to set up the force. So what do we do? We lay down a sack bunt with Gabriel Arias and move those runners up to second and third. So then they want to keep the force in play. So they intentionally walk Will Brennan. They respect to Will Brennan. My God, after this few at-bats in the major leagues, already getting intentionally walked in extra innings, I know it's to set up the force. So now they've got the bases loaded. Uh, and it's going to be Ahmed Rosario pinch hitting in the catcher spot for Luke Maley. And Ahmed Rosario wastes no time. First pitch. Uh, what does he get here? I believe that uh, Javi Guerrera throws him a two-seam sinker right down the middle of the plate, just below the belt. He hits this thing 106.3 miles per hour right through uh, right center field, right over the right fielder Manuel Margot's shoulder. Uh, he has no chance at it, and Oscar Gonzalez to comes comes in to score the big walk-off win for the Guardians. Amin Rosario needs one pitch in this game to be MVP on the day. He needs one pitch. He delivers this big hit in the 10th inning. Yes, the outfielder was playing in. They were setting themselves up where they could basically make a throw home, and uh, he burns them. He gets one over Margot's head for the game-winning hit. Uh, 700 expected batting average. So it's not like this was a cheap one here. Uh, he smoked this thing. This is probably a hit no matter where that outfield is set up. So like I said, one pitch for Ahmed Rosario, and he has that much impact in the game. Uh, yeah, so he has taken away MVP on the day for me. Just a huge, huge moment right there in the 10th inning. I believe they said this was... I think it was the 27th. I, I can't remember exactly from the TV broadcast. And 27th or so, uh, final at-bat victory for the Guardians on this season, which surpassed the 95 Indians team. Uh, so this is, I mean, you remember that 95 Indians team was one of the most magical teams. Uh, it was the most magical team in franchise history. I mean, what a run that team had. This team now has more wins in their final at-bat than that team did. So just to show you how magical this Guardian season has been, uh, right up there with those 95 Indians team. Uh, so incredibly fun stuff uh, in that 10th inning. Yeah, this game was a bit of a slog in the middle of the game. Not much happened from the 4th inning through the ninth inning offensively. Uh, there were moments like the 7th inning for the, uh, for the Rays, but the Guardians really didn't threaten until that 10th inning. Uh, they just couldn't really get a rally going. I mean, the middle of the lineup here is pretty ice cold. Uh, you got hits from 7, 8, 9 in the first spot in the lineup, and that's it. Uh, 2 through 6 are kind of ice cold on the day. Uh, a lot, a couple of walks kept runners on base for the Guardians, but uh, nobody really, really uh, lit it up offensively. Quan is the only one with a multi-hit game on the day. But Ahmed Rosario, one pitch. He's your hero. He's MVP on the day. All right. Uh, I think that's as far as I could dig into this game. Uh, it was an interesting lineup, like I said. Uh, he does the thing he does where if somebody's replacing someone in the lineup off the bench, he doesn't move them. He, he can't be taking the time to move around the lineup and move other guys. Freeman's playing shortstop. He's batting second. Forget that Andres Jimenez deserves to be in the top three of the lineup. Freeman's going in there for Ahmed Rosario. He's hitting second. That's just the way Francona does things, frankly, uh, this season. Um, so, yeah, so he's in there. Gabriel Arias is in there. 
Will Brennan starts in center field. I mean, yeah, man, what a what a transformation this team has made from the beginning of the season to this point in the season. I mean, it's incredible how many of these guys in a different world would be at you know would have been starting at Triple A would be Triple A guys right now. I mean, you had an outfield of Quan, Will Brennan, and uh, Oscar Gonzalez. That's crazy. You had an infield of uh, Gabriel Arias, Tyler Freeman. Uh, Andres Jimenez and Josh Naylor have pretty much established themselves as major league players. But yeah, just absolutely incredible uh, the lineup he ran out there yesterday. And these guys are all playing really well. It's not like this uh, this team takes a step back by going to all these young guys. They're, they're even stronger, even better with all these guys here. So we've reached a really fun point in the season. And uh, yeah, I, I can't wait to see... Uh, Man, we can't wait till these playoffs come here. I can't wait for these playoffs. Uh, I was able to get myself tickets. I can't go to the AL wild card games. Um, I have to work that weekend. Uh, it's a crazy work weekend. Uh, so I can't go to the wild card games. I'm hoping they make it to the ALDS because I did get tickets for game three of the ALDS. So I'm set up there if they make it to that round to face most likely the Yankees. Um, yeah, so that's going to be some fun right there. So I'm ready for some playoff baseball. Uh, but we got to keep playing. We got to stay sharp. We got to finish this season off. Uh, the last thing I wanted to talk about before we get out of here is I hate saying something to you, to you morning people and being and talking like it's just my gut instinct on something. I like to give some data to back things up. So the uh, last few days, you know, we had an email yesterday asking about Jose Ramirez and, uh, you know, seems to be struggling post all-star break. And I said that I think it's because he's been trying, you know, frankly, he's been too aggressive, not taking his walks, uh, being a little bit too aggressive. So I actually pulled up the numbers on fan graphs from the first half of the season to the second half of the season. And I want to actually give you the numbers and show you what's been going on. So in the first half of the season, he had 40 walks plus seven intentional walks. In the second half of the season, he's at 27 walks with 12 intentional walks. So they've been walking him. The intentional walks have gone up, but the actual walks have gone down a little bit. But uh, it's not like he's striking out too much more. It's 37 strikeouts in the first half of the season compared to 42 strikeouts in the second half of the season. So, all right, a little bit more. Um, You know, we're talking 87 games versus 64 games in the second half of the season. So, yeah, all right, he's striking out a little bit more. But let's go to the plate discipline numbers here. And uh, let's take a look. And they're they're actually, it's not as big of a difference as I thought it would be. The outside the zone swinging. So swinging at pitches outside the zone. First half of the season, 32.2% of the time he was swinging outside of the zone. Second half of the season, 32.3% of the time, he's swinging outside of the zone. Now, the contact rate is what's changed. Outside the zone contact for Jose Ramirez, it was at 82% in the first half of the season, which means he's fouling things off. He's actually hitting things in play. He's not whiffing on those pitches. It's down to 73%, which is still ridiculously high, but it's not for Jose Ramirez. Uh, his uh, contact rate, uh, was at an 88.4%, has now fallen to an 83.2%. Again, ridiculously high, but not for Jose Ramirez. 
Um, his swinging strike rate uh, has gone up just a tick from 5.3% to 7.9% swinging strike. And his called strike percentage uh, has stayed about the same, 15.7% in the first half of the season, 15.3% uh, in the second half of the season. So, yes, he is chasing a little bit more. He is swinging and missing just a tiny bit more in the second half of the season. But it really hasn't been uh, as drastic as I thought those numbers were going to be. I thought there was going to be a bigger difference in those numbers. So, uh, yes, has Jose Ramirez struck out a little bit more and walked a little bit less in the second half of the season? Yes, the data is there. The numbers are there. Is it because he's chasing outside of the zone? Eh, maybe just a teeny bit, just a tiny bit uh, true. So I wanted to give you numbers because I don't want to be, you know, that's what they do on the radio. They go, oh, <laughs> Jose Ramirez is chasing too much. They don't give you any data to back that up. I wanted to give you the numbers. I wanted to give you the data. So, uh, yeah, that's what this show is about. Uh, and, you know, I thought I'd double back today and make sure that we discussed it, make sure I gave you the actual data. So, with that being said, let's wrap this thing up. We've got another 6-10 start against Tampa Bay. Uh, they're facing Springs uh, for Tampa Bay. He's a left-handed pitcher. Uh, he's going up against Quantrill in the finale of this one. Uh, and before Kansas City comes to town for a weekend series. So uh, a left-hander in the lineup. Who's he going to give the day off in this one? Uh, you know Owen Miller will be in there even though his splits against left-handers don't you know, say that he should be in there. He's going to put Owen Miller in there. Uh, we'll see what other righties come back off the bench uh, to face the left-handed starter Springs in this finale. All right, let's wrap this thing up. The final from Progressive Field. It's the Guardians 2, the Rays 1 in extra innings. We get a little bit of revenge in extra innings. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.